for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialist control. The ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascist. The ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture. The ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It's hour number two of our weekend edition of the Voice of Reason. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride here broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Kansas. Not necessarily Wichita, Kansas, but just outside Wichita, Kansas at the Hoosier Media Network Studio. It's always wonderful to have you with us as we continue to recap our weekend review here on the show. Bottom of this hour, we have Selwyn Duke. He is a journalist with The New American. Always wonderful to have him. He's been on our weekday program many, many times before and really looking forward to chatting with him on our new nationwide coast-to-coast syndicated program here with the voice of reason. We'll talk about third parties. We'll talk about the presidential candidates and Joe Manchin, the ranking for the number one most uh, uh, cross worker in, I was going to he's not a cross dresser. No, he's a cross worker. Although in today's times, it's the same thing. The uh, most bipartisan politician in Washington, DC and his potential to run for a third party presidential ticket coming up in 2024 so we'll talk with selvin duke about all that and more coming up in our uh at the bottom of this hour i was gonna say hour number two but this is hour number two uh as we continue to go after the wokeness why because well we're not angry people i'm not being aggressive i'm being dominant and that's what we do on this program so uh let's move forward to this coming up week shall we we have the very first in our what's trending What's trending today? Our very first Republican presidential debate. And uh, are you ready for it? Before we do that, though, we have to go back to a debate that we saw just a few years ago. And I am shocked and awed. I'm pretty sure. Chad, jump on here for just a second, because I think that we have crossed dimensional timelines. I think that maybe uh, so we always say, like, when hell freezes over, I think maybe it has officially frozen over. Did you hear the news, Chad, that... Jake Tapper on CNN admitted that Donald Trump was right on something. Did you hear this? I did hear that, and I almost thought that something down below had frozen over. I'm telling you, I think that we have jumped timelines. I think that we are in a different dimension. I think that uh, that uh, the the dark, fiery place is officially frozen over, and that <laughs> and that we are some other place that I never imagined our place to be uh, here because. As we look at upcoming debates, we have to go back to prior debates and look at the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden going into the 2020 presidential election. And Jake Tapper on Thursday this week on his new primetime afternoon show on CNN said this. Tesla wrote Hunter Biden reported nearly 2.4 million in income in 2017 and 2.2 million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. But this, and this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Take a listen. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about uh, what are you talking about? China. What you not of that is president. true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. So it's from two different debates. But I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China, and Joe Biden was wrong. I don't know that he was lying about it. He might not have been told by Hunter, but this blind spot is a problem. Well, did did I hear that right? 
I think my headphones were a little fuzzy there. Hold on a second. I know we're working on some audio issues here on the program. Did I hear that? <laughs> Did I, I hear that right? right. I Did definitely Jake Tapper, heard it right. <laughs> you heard that right. Jake Tapper on CNN literally said that Trump was right and that it went against what Joe Biden said, which he didn't quite come out and say it, but that would make him a what? Uh, a liar, right? But if he's not a liar, really, according to Jake Tapper. Oh, that's right. Well, he did try to cover it up a little bit, and he tried to protect him just a bit. Like, well, maybe he didn't know about it, which we also know is a lie, because now we know that Joe Biden was also on many of the calls. He was present in the room during Hunter Biden's conversation. So we know that to be a lie as well, but let's just set that aside for a second. We literally just had Jake Tapper say, well, Trump was right about the accusations of making millions upon millions of dollars in Russia and in the Ukraine and in China which is why we're seeing all the mayhem in that region of the world right now as we are under the Biden regime. So Joe Biden lied when he said it's absolutely not true that Hunter Biden made all this money. And they they tried to protect him a little bit, but uh, this happened on Thursday. Do you think that Jake Tapper actually has a show again on Monday? Because that goes against every fundamental value that CNN has is to say those three words, Trump was right. Those are triggering words for an entire CNN audience of 12 people. That's pretty wild. But now they admit it. And even though they try to defend it, well, he's protected. Well, he may not have known about it. Well, you just see maybe he wasn't up and up, and that's going to be a weak point going into the election. That is why, ladies and gentlemen, he's not going to be the presidential candidate on the Democrat side moving into the 2024 general election. But, man, I'm pretty sure we may have to play it again later because my headphones were fuzzy. I'm not quite sure that I heard that correctly. Jake Tapper on CNN admitting that Trump was right. Man, that's a, that's, that's a, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Now let's move forward into 2024. We have the very first Republican debate coming up on Wednesday this week in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. I almost uh, took a radio job up there a ways back when up in the Green Bay area, but this one's being held up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, supposedly Donald Trump will not be making this one. Now I ask you the question, Should Donald Trump be at this debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with the other Republicans? There are five candidates that have made the threshold as of right now or more. We'll see if they actually make them or if they actually pledge to them. But Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Doug Burgum have all hit the 1% threshold of the polls. And just to clarify for you, in order to qualify for these presidential debates, Uh, at least for this presidential debate. In order for you to qualify, you have to be hitting at least 1% approval rating. You have to have at least, uh, what, 40,000 donors in, in, uh, or what is it, 200 special interests in a certain amount of states. It's weird how they actually break this one down. But you have Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Doug Burgum that have all pledged that they're going to be there, that have hit the donors, that have hit the polls. We have Donald Trump, who has done everything, but has said he's not going to make it. And then we have Mike Pence, who I don't know if he's going to make it. Chris Christie, not sure if he's going to make it. And then we have Francis Suarez, which I don't even know who that is other than being the mayor of Miami, who says that he's made it but has not been able to uh, uh, prove that he's made it. So, Or at least the RNC is reviewing it to make sure that he can actually be on the debate stage coming up Wednesday or not. Question for you is, should Donald Trump actually attend this debate? Because my answer should be a resounding, absolutely, he should be there. Now, look, 
And this this may upset many Trump supporters. That's okay. As you know, I've supported Trump throughout his administration. I like Donald Trump. I'm not saying that he needs to be president again. I'm not saying that I'm on the Trump bandwagon. I am open to other candidates as well. But I am very well aware that as of right now that he has three quarters of the Republican support at sitting in near 75%. And if that's the case, then we have a pretty resounding opinion from the majority of the Republican Party on what they view as the leading candidate, which is obviously Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump protesting this one, saying that he may not do any debates, but particularly not this one because he has not signed the pledge with the RNC and instead is going to be doing a video stream with Tucker Carlson on the Tweety. And if that's the case, then uh, how many people are going to watch the debate compared to watch Donald Trump on the Tweety with Tucker Carlson? Me personally, I can watch that in a delayed video and I'll watch the debate live and then watch him thereafter. But it's his way of protesting the debate, saying that he doesn't need to debate those guys because they don't hold a candle to him and shouldn't be on the same debate stage as him. And I have to say, I'm resoundly against that mindset. Yes, he was the he is the former president. And yes, he has a massive support of Republicans behind him. And yes, you know what? We can make the argument that in order to unite the party, which Republicans are really bad at, let's be honest, in order to unite the Republican Party, that it would be ideal for us to unite behind one candidate to limit the primary, which I've never said in my entire life. For those that listen to this program very uh, for a, any amount of time, you know that I am all about primaries. I am about challenging each other. I'm about not beating each other to a pulp, but I am about challenging each other to elevating ourselves because of healthy competition, which is what we believe in as conservatives in the Republican Party, is having healthy competition to be able to elevate each other and then be able to move forward in a stronger position into a general election. That doesn't quite seem to be happening right now. What's happening right now is that we have a few of the candidates that are wanting to go out there and literally just find a way to beat up on Donald Trump to try and peg him down a little bit, which makes them go down a little bit, makes Donald Trump go up a little bit in those debates. At the same time, we got to remember that the Republican Party is not one candidate. The Republican Party is not one person. The Republican Party is not one dynasty. The Republican Party is wicked, wild, individual free thinkers that are coming together with like-minded ideals wanting to progress and move forward with a conservative agenda. And while Donald Trump has a proven record of doing so as president of the United States, he's been there, he's done that, and for the most part, not everything, but for the most part, he's done a relatively good job as president, in my humble opinion. He comes with a lot of baggage, he comes with a lot of drama, so that is a negative side that many people are questioning on why they don't like him. At the same time, do you really think the Democrats will treat any other candidates differently as well? But that's not the point. The point is that Donald Trump should not go into this race for the 2024 race in the primaries thinking that he just deserves to have the candidacy again. The voters will decide that. And right now the voters are deciding that with a near three quarters of the party that do support that and decide that. But that's not for him and his choice to make. And we still want to hear what he has to say. I don't want it to get nasty. I don't want the Republican Party broken. I don't want us to tear each other apart, which what may very well happen at a presidential debate, but I want us to discuss as civilized Republicans that are on the same team ways to better the party. And I'm telling you that right now, Ron DeSantis has some good ideas. I don't necessarily support him, but he has some great ideas. 
Vivek Ramaswamy came out of nowhere. The underdog, the one that's even topping Ron DeSantis right now in many of the national polls, has come out with some great ideas. He's still kind of a concerning fellow, and we don't know much about him, and he could be that wild card as well, where he's coming in kind of like that underdog Donald Trump. He was a business guy. He's an entrepreneur. He's a PR guy. He says things really nicely. He says things very suave. He gets people riled up. He does a great job at doing that. What does he actually stand for, and what ideas can he bring to the table? I'm curious in hearing them. Nikki Haley, we kind of know her a little bit from working with the Trump administration, but she's in there now to try and peg down Donald Trump a little bit as well. Tim Scott, wonderful conservative. We like Tim Scott. I want to hear what he has to say. Doug Burgum, I don't know anything about you other than being the governor of North Dakota. I don't know much about you. Mike Pence, I honestly don't know why you're even in the race. And Chris Christie, we know why you're in the race because you despise Donald Trump and your entire purpose is to try and bring him down, which I'd laugh at that because you're kind of a uh, silly fool anyways and just kind of need to go away. You're kind of like the Bill Clinton of the Republican Party. You just need to disappear and go away. Not saying you've been tied with any shenanigans or scandals, but I'm just saying no one really cares for you. You're a loudmouth guy from New Jersey, and that's about it. You know how to fundraise. You know how to work within the party, but you need to go away. What I find most interesting about all of this, which I'm going to take a break, so we'll do this when we come back, is how Donald Trump is handling these situations. Because he's not wanting to work with the RNC on the debate stage, but he's bringing the RNC a lot deeper into his campaign for this race, which I find kind of interesting. We'll discuss some of that when we come back here right on the corner. It's the weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride. So we have our first presidential debate. We have Donald Trump, who is the front runner by a long stretch right now, according to Yahoo News. The latest nationwide poll from Reuters.com shows that Trump holds a 47% vote of support from the Republican Party compared to Ron DeSantis being in that far distant second place at 13%. All the other candidates sitting in the single digits. Vivek Ramaswamy moving upwards in most of those polls as well. Statewide polls show that Vivek is sitting number two above Ron DeSantis and is even tied with Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida in DeSantis's home state. So that is concerning for him. I know that he's done some campaign moves and transitions a little bit. But here's the thing with Donald Trump. And again, Nothing for, nothing against. This is me being the third-party objector and observer on this situation because that's what we like to do on this show. Because while I may support one candidate or another, it's about the American people having their voice heard in the primaries and then us be backing on that to make sure we defeat the real enemy, which is the progressive. So I may have my personal take, and I'll give you my personal opinions as we move on here. At the same time, we're not going to go after one candidate or another unless they deem qualified and need it because of some stance or position that they're taking on the issues. So right now, Donald Trump's running a very interesting campaign, and I have to disagree with some of it. As a guy who likes Donald Trump, I think he needs to be in a debate. Well, they're below me, and I shouldn't. They, they're not worthy to be on the debate stage with me. Again, the Republican Party is not about one candidate. It is about a group of individuals, and they all have something to bring to the table as conservatives. And even if Donald Trump's competing against them for the race, we still need to hear what they have to say. 
And we need to hear what they all have to say. And again, kudos to Vivek Ramaswamy again for when Donald Trump was down in Florida, in Miami with the court hearings just a couple months ago. He was the only one. Andy, it was a political stunt. Of course it was a political stunt. But he was the only one that went down there and said that if I were president, I will pardon Donald Trump and I want a commitment from any other Republican candidate to uh, uh, to save him and protect him as well and to be able to just write off all these ridiculous indictments because uh, we need to pardon Donald Trump because that's the way the Republican Party needs to be. It shouldn't be personal. And, of course, Donald Trump's one of the main guys that makes it personal. But that's how he fights. It's personal at the time. It's a cheap shot that he does. At the end of the day, though, then it's not really personal, and he forgets about it moves on because that's just the kind of guy, again, whether it's the New York mentality, I don't know, I've never been to New York, whether it's just the Donald Trump mentality, whatever the situation is, he is brass, he is uh, off-putting, he is very edgy, and a lot of people are turned off by Donald Trump. Totally understand, right now we're looking at policy. And the policy is there are many great Republican candidates out there that we have to work with. Now, Regards to the Trump campaign itself, he's doing some interesting things because just last week he had the meeting with Fox uh, executives about potentially being on that debate stage that's coming up on Wednesday. And apparently those meetings felt that didn't work out the way that they wanted because Donald Trump's not going to partake and instead go chat with Tucker Carlson and draw away from that, which is unfortunate. At the same time, though, while he's fighting against the RNC and Fox News and the Republicans, on this debate, he's been bringing them into the fold more in his campaign. In fact, talking to many that are internal working with his campaign on the inside, they've said that he's gotten rid of a lot of his campaign people from the prior race in 2016 and 2020. If you've noticed, we have not heard from Corey Lewandowski. We've not heard from Dave Boss, uh, David Bossy. We've not heard from some of these other names that were in his campaign that ran it like a business that were very efficient that were very non-political and that ran a campaign like it was his multi-million dollar business, very streamlined and very smoothly. He's not running his campaign like that this time. In fact, what he's doing is he's brought in the vast majority of the RNC people to run his campaign. So he's fighting against them, but yet trying to work with them because rightfully so, he needs to find a way to win over the rest of the Republican Party to come back on his side. And he's kind of using a double-edged sword of doing it. It's a very strange campaign, and only Donald Trump knows what Donald Trump is doing. So I guess it's the wait-and-see moment to see what's going to happen moving forward. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into a radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting on the home front here. Last half hour of this home stretch, man, it flies right on by. I can't believe it. Two hours in the books almost already. I don't plug this enough, so just to remind you, if you ever want to hear something again, if you want to hear all of our programs, if you're on a radio station now that doesn't pick up our weekday program, you can always listen to our podcast at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Got to type it all out, but it's on any of your favorite podcasting sites on Apple and TuneIn and Amazon and Google Play and everything else. So you can just uh, find it. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Subscribe. Our download numbers have been awesome. Thank you so much for supporting the show for all of the time that we're on the air throughout the week and uh, with our new syndicated program on the weekends as well. We do have some announcements of some new radio stations coming on board. So uh, we'll be making that one here 
very soon as well. I want to make sure they may already be on, but I want to make sure before we actually give the official announcement. So uh, a lot of things moving behind the scenes, and we have some really cool stuff coming up as we continue to move forward. All right, I want to get into what's trending. What's trending today? And as we talk about the presidential debate coming up on Wednesday, we talk about the 2024 election. We talk about the landscape of the Republican and the Democrat and other fields going into the race. I had to bring on this guy because he's one of my favorite guests. We've had him on for years on our weekday program. First time here on our weekend syndicated program as well as he's a contributor to The New American, which you can find on at thenewamerican.com. Good man, Mr. Selwyn Duke. Selwyn, what's going on, my friend? How are you? And at all, Andy, how are you? And it's great to be with you. Yeah, it's so good to chat with you. It's uh, it's always good. Before we get into some of the alternatives, third-party candidates, what's going on with uh, some of those, let's talk about this debate real quick on Wednesday and the, la- the fact that Donald Trump is not going to be there. Getting some mixed reviews on this because I, I said uh, just leading up to this in the last half hour that the Republican Party is not one person. It's not one candidate. And while Donald Trump is a former president, and the Republican Party could use a life lesson on uniting together and actually working together to try and get something done, which we're absolutely horrible at as a Republican Party. I still want to see Donald Trump on the debate stage talking to, debating, and working with the other candidates to challenge ideas. Do you think this move to not go on the debate stage and to go off and chat with Tucker Carlson has said uh, on the same night to kind of boycott it, is that going to hurt him or help him, do you think, at the end of the day? If I had to guess, Andy, I'd say it might hurt him, but it might just be a wash, too, because he's so popular and his support is just so, so deep. And I don't know, maybe his lawyers advised him to make this move. I really have no idea. But in principle, I agree with you. I think that all of the contenders should debate if they can, and they should put everything on the table so people can make an informed decision. I don't think they should be running from debate. Not at all. Yeah, uh, I did enjoy in the last election when we had, you know, or was it in 20, uh, obviously in 2016 when he was running the first time when we had 11, 12 people on the debate stage. And obviously it was a little bit madness. And they, of course, went after each other and were very vicious again, it, it, eating our own on the Republican side. But it was good to see because I love it. I love the fact that anybody, it's not the elite. It's not, you know, the chosen person, which, you know, we were kind of off put with a little bit with Kevin McCarthy when he said he was he deserved to be Speaker of the House because he's put in his dues, put in his time. Uh, no one's owed anything from the Republican Party or even Republican voters, especially as an elected official. And I want to see that large debate feel to see the diversity that we have within the Republican Party. I think that does us well, doesn't it? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I have to say that in 2016, and I'm talking about style now, but I was really impressed. We had maybe even more than 11 people on the stage. There was Marco Rubio there and so many others. And I was really impressed at the time with the level of articulation. I never saw so many articulate candidates on one debate stage. And again, that's just style. But as far as Trump goes, avoiding these debates, I'm not going to apply this to him right now necessarily because of all of his legal issues. But In principle, I do believe that if someone refuses to debate, we should probably think about writing the person off. But again, I'm not going to say let's do that with Trump because I think his situation is rather unique. But yeah, absolutely. It's good to have them all out there debating. Yeah. 
It very is. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very unique situation. And I think the entire administration of Donald Trump was a very unique situation. Even all the experts and pundits are like, we we don't know what to do right now because <laughs> it's all, just all over the place. And it's very strange. Let's talk about the Democrats, uh, Democrat side for a second as well. Joe Biden has come out with his campaign saying that the debate stage on Monday is going to be Republican candidates trying to out MAGA each other because we're just going so extreme and radical. We're the domestic terrorists. We're the radical right wingers. And I... This is coming from a guy where it sounds like even he doesn't want to debate on his end either, probably because he can't debate because he can't hold a conversation for longer than 30 seconds. But uh, is Joe Biden, in your opinion, still going to be the presidential nominee moving forward? Or are we going to see the rise of Gavin Newsom, the rise of someone like Michelle Obama, the rise of Kamala Harris, God forbid? What's their landscape look like? Because I think they're in worse situation than we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that if we could count on there being an honest election, Andy, the problem is with all the vote fraud, the Democrats nowadays could get a ham sandwich elected, I'm afraid. But yes, otherwise they would be in worse shape. I mean, you have Joe Biden, and I'm not saying this to demean the men, but he has dementia and it's rather advanced. I understand that they're keeping him going with medical interventions, that he may be on some kind of anti-dementia drug called Namenda. So he's in very bad shape. He can't debate at all. So you're absolutely correct. The Democrats are in worse shape. Now, as for a prediction, I really can't stick my neck out because it's so hard to say. I didn't think they'd have Joe Biden in office this long. So in my mind, as to whether or not he's going to be the nominee, I think it's sort of a 50-50 thing. It's hard to say, but I think a lot of them, the Democrat establishment, would like to smoothly and gracefully ease him out of the presidency. They just have to figure out how to do that. Yeah, well, and I think they didn't realize that how unpopular Kamala Harris was at the same time, so they're kind of hesitant because I'm right there with you. I was waiting for Operation Joe Biden trip down the stairs while trying to tie his stews to actually happen, and it hasn't happened yet, surprisingly. So and I think it's because they realize Kamala Harris is not in the position to lead. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's in an almost worse situation than Joe Biden himself, and uh, they don't know how to rectify that situation. At the same time, we're seeing the Rep- the Democrat Party go through some transformations. And I love using this example because, again, in a capitalist system, when there's a demand for the market, when there's a void in the market for something, a consumer rises to fill that by becoming an entrepreneur, becoming an inventor, by filling the demand for something that we want. That same sort of mentality is happening within the Democrat Party right now. When we're seeing some moderate Democrats rise up and the establishment absolutely hates it. We're seeing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. come out and really make a stink within the Democrat Party, and they're losing their minds over him. Then we're seeing Joe Manchin, who just got ranked as the most bipartisan politician of Washington, D.C., who's getting pretty fed up with the Democrat Party as well. Is this going to transform the party, or are these the moderate Democrats that are going to walk away from the party, do you think? Well, again, I think it's a 50-50 thing, but I actually, no, I think it's more likely they'll be walking away. Because, see, the problem is, is yes, the market analogy does hold, Andy, but the problem is that we now have an establishment that can absolutely trump the market, so to speak, with all the vote fraud. If the people's votes really counted the way they should, then yes, maybe we could figure that the Democrat Party would be transformed, that politics itself could be transformed. But the vote fraud situation is just really, really bad. You and I, I believe, have discussed it in the past, and we can't talk about that for the next 15 minutes. But it's just horrible how they can literally steal elections now. 
big tech can shift 15 million votes towards one candidate or another, and that's not even vote fraud, that's something else, but that's according to Robert Epstein, a liberal psychologist who studied this matter. So that's the problem. But yeah, I think it is more likely that they'll be walking away because they're being shunned and ostracized, as you know, RFK Jr. and not Manchin, but I think we're going to talk about Manchin. And why would he be ostracized? Because in reality, he votes with the Washington Democrats almost 90 percent of the time. (laughs) I don't think his constituents know that. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Yeah, he is a staunch Democrat, although they're considering him the most, quote unquote, bipartisan candidate. And now He's talking about in teasing just kind of the breadcrumbs dropping here of the no labels party running as a third party candidate. I think it would be stupid for the Democrats to let him walk away from the party. But because, like you said, with how often he votes with them. But why in the world is he thinking about a third party run right now? Yeah, well, I just wrote about this recently, as you know, and the reason why is that ever since he supported that misnamed Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, has nothing to do with reducing inflation, as even Joe Biden admitted recently. Ever since he supported that, he has become very unpopular. In fact, during that period, he became literally the most unpopular politician in the country. And although the polls are varied, there's one poll, Morning Consult, Andy, that found that 55 percent of West Virginia voters, this was just recently, disapprove of Manchin's job performance. So, Yes, maybe he could win the Democrat nomination there, but would he win the general election in West Virginia? Maybe not, but this is where it gets interesting, and this is why I think he's being Machiavellian. He's talking about how now maybe he'll walk away from the party when some years ago he said he would never switch parties, and he's not proposing to do that. He's proposing to become independent, but why? Well, let's think about it. He knows that If a Democrat attacks him from the left, okay, he can probably win the nomination, like I said, but he'd lose the general. But if he becomes an independent, then the whole landscape changes, Andy. Then he knows he's going to have a three-way race. The Democrat is going to take the staunch liberal vote. The Republican, who would be Jim Justice, the current governor, no doubt, would take the staunch conservative vote. And then Manchin could prevail by winning the mushy middle. And there is precedent for this because this was done by Joe Lieberman, the Democrat, in 2006. What happened back then, and I hope I'm not going on too long, but I tell you what, so we're about ready to take a hard break here. So hold that thought. I yeah. want to continue that when we come back here, because that's a fascinating yeah, yeah. theory. It's not very often that the independents are able to actually win races by that split. Usually it only helps one party or the other. So the fact that this is one of those rare situations to actually help Manchin moving forward and to stay in office is pretty fascinating. We'll do that when we come back at Selwyn Duke with the New American. Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program as we have just a few minutes left here on the show. Ready to wrap up for our weekend edition here on The Voice of Reason as we get ready for another week of shenanigans and malarkey according to Joe Biden and the Democrats and the mainstream media and 
Everyone else, uh, the big news, obviously, is the big debate that's happening with the Republicans on Wednesday. We'll have more information on that later. At the same time, the Democrats watching with a keen eye and now the re- independents and potentially I say that with the air quotes for our radio listeners, the independents like Joe Manchin, because really is Joe Manchin really an independent when we just said he votes predominantly overwhelmingly with Democrats. It's been a few, however, votes that kind of threw them off guard and they didn't like him. And now he's an extremely unpopular guy with the radical left that's dominating that Democrat party. We're hanging out with Selwyn Duke, the new American.com as we talk about this. And as I was going into the break, same. And, and as you laid out, it's very rare, Selwyn, where we actually have an independent do well in races because normally when it's a three-way race and independents come into the realm, they usually either take votes away from a Democrat or take votes away from a Republican and aiding someone who we least likely align with. And it's a very dangerous game when we talk about third parties, unfortunately, in the two-party system that we have. But this seems like it's one of those rare cases where Joe Manchin could appeal to moderate Democrats, some moderate Republicans, the unaffiliated and independents, and actually win as a third-party candidate. Yeah, well, absolutely. You're right. Usually an independent at most is just a spoiler, Andy. What's the difference here? Well, I was saying there's precedent for this. In 2006 in Connecticut, Joe Lieberman, he was a Democrat, three-term senator from Connecticut, was attacked by his party as being too conservative or too moderate. So what they did was, in the primaries, they ran a left-wing Democrat named Ned Lamont against him, and he lost. And so he said, you know what, Democrat Party? Heck with you. I'm going to teach you a lesson. He ran as an independent, and he won the seat anyway, with less than 50 percent of the vote, because the Democrat, Ned Lamont, and the Republican, they were dividing up the rest of the vote. Now, could this happen with Manchin? Maybe it's not as likely, because Lieberman was very popular in Connecticut. Manchin is not as popular in West Virginia. But as we just laid out, with this divided vote, it could happen. And that's why I said maybe Manchin is being Machiavellian because he's saying, oh, well, you know, the party has lost its way. Both parties are toxic. And that's why I don't want to be part of either one. I'm going to be an independent. But the truth is, he just might realize that this is his only chance at preserving his power. And I want to say something here that there's a lesson here. And I've been trying to drive this point home over and over and over again. I'm going to say something that's going to blow everyone's mind. It's going to seem like the polar opposite of conventional wisdom. A wise voter, Andy, votes the party and not the person. Now, you might say, how could that possibly be? Well, Manchin's situation illustrates why. He votes with the Washington Democrats 87.9% of the time even though he claims to not be a Washington Democrat. And you see this across the board. Liz Cheney, big-time anti-Trumper, when she was in office, she voted with Donald Trump 91% of the time. Almost every politician votes with his party almost all the time or most of the time. That's why when you vote, you're voting to give one party or the other in practice another vote for its agenda. And that's why I say, whether you realize it or not, you're voting the party and not the person, and that should be your focus. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, Selwyn, I am right there with you. I have uh, spoken on that mindset and have tried to pitch that idea for years. When I interned and first got into radio, I don't know if you remember the name, Mike Rosen out of 850KOA wrote a major article out of the Rocky Mountain News in Denver, Colorado, where he was kind of the big kahuna talk show host, and he had pitched that. His his title was Party Over Person, and I've, I've taken that as well, and I completely agree with you. That's where primaries come in as the most important election that we have to decide 
the direction of the party, to decide the uh, position of the party, to decide the agenda, to decide what the face of the party will look like moving forward. And then by general election, it's that party over person because we have to, we can't vote by the character. We can't vote by that personality. It's that party that's actually making something happen, not that individual. And we have to hold up to that. And I'm glad you say that. Selwyn, we're out of time, my friend. We could talk about that for okay. hours. I absolutely love it. Yeah. It's so good, my friend. We got to get you back on the show again real soon. Sounds good to me, Andy. Thanks a lot for having me, and God bless. Hey, you as well, my friend. Always a pleasure. There it is, man. We're out of time already. Oh, how the time flies. And oh, by the way, I think that we actually got our audio fix on the uh, live streams for the video as well. So look at that. Multitasking at its best. That's what we do here on live radio. Until then, we'll see you again next weekend all over the place on Coast to Coast radio stations all over the place. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak, speak some reason. Be that catalyst for change. Be that voice of reason in your own local community. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Kuchar. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Try and stay cool as we slowly but surely get into the fall time. We'll see you on the radio.